Marathon, 72 degrees, and Sunday, 75 on the sand. It's third hour of the Liz Calloway Show, only found here on Talk. Welcome to the Liz Calloway Show. She's a one of a kind, and she's only found here. The new conservative alternative, Talk 94.5. Finally, you can start waking up on the right side of the bed again. Good morning and welcome to the Liz Calloway Show without Nick Summers. He's on vacation until Monday. Glenn Dye Radio holding down the fort here. And now joining us is... Now it's the Columbia Check-In with Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett on the Liz Calloway Show with Nick Summers on Talk 94.5. Good morning, Lieutenant Governor. Good morning, Liz. How are you? Seems like forever since we talked. I know, I know. Your son had a birthday. You took a little vacation? You did. We did. It was really nice. It's always good, you know, to get back home. And I know Jack's 15. I can't believe it. So now we, <laughs> now we're going to be tackling the, when can I get that learner permit to start driving? <laughs> I know that's uh, that's terrorism right there. Um, you know, I, I was just wondering where does the Lieutenant governor go on vacation? So, you know, well, where does she go? Usually I come to Myrtle Beach. I thought so. we go on vacation. <laughs> but this time we went down to Mexico um, for a few days with wow. some friends. And it was wonderful to get away, but it was beautiful because it was the whale migration. Oh, and wow. And so from, where, so from where we were saying, you could see these big, majestic killer whales just leaping out of the water like fish. I'd never seen anything like it. It was so beautiful. Well, I'm going to have to ask you more about that because uh, we, you know, we would like to go back to Javier's uh, home country there and visit. And uh, we're trying to pick a place where we can bring his relatives there so I can finally meet them. Oh, it, it, we were in Los Cabos and it was beautiful. So, yes, just let me, I will tell you where we stayed. We This is only the second time we've gone. And this was this was really beautiful, quiet, safe, tranquil. It was it beautiful. Was beautiful. All right, we'll have to get that from you. Um, also, I wanted to ask you, um, and I'm so excited that you uh, gave me a heads up. There is a news conference today with the governor, uh, Henry McMaster, will be speaking today about law enforcement. Give us a little update on to a little preview about what we're going to hear. Yes, heading down there right now to be there for that at 9:30 today. The governor will be announcing. Uh, the pay raises to our state law enforcement. Uh, you know, he had his Department of Administration do a very comprehensive study to figure out uh, what other states are paying their state law enforcement. That's our DNR, our Highway Patrol, and our SLED officers um, to make sure we were being competitive and to look at what local and county law enforcement is making because we want to make sure that we're paying um, our men and women in blue more than what they deserve. We know we can never get them give them what their job calls for, right, with what they put on the line for us every day. So we are very excited to announcing that there will be pay raises across the board to all of our state law enforcement, um, to our officers and our prison systems, the DJJ, and very excited about that. We'll be being joined by uh, some of our legislators who made that possible and our law enforcement community. All right. Also, um, it says here that he'll be heading to Indian land to talk before the Greater Indian Land Chamber of Commerce. And also he'll be discussing budget proposals uh, to use the American Rescue Fund dollars. Can you give us a, a little bit of a preview on that? Absolutely. So, you know, Indian land that's up by Lancaster and we want to make sure there's some opportunity zones up there. Uh, you know, the governor has been talking about what he wants 
money to be going through the American Rescue Plan. We want to make sure that we're widening our highways, fixing our bridges. You know, he has what he has proposed um, as far as road construction would leap us six years ahead of where we are today with our plan. And so he'll be pushing for that. Also, looking at other infrastructure like water and sewer, making sure that we on the state side are giving grants um, to our local communities, maybe communities that don't have enough tax base uh, because they don't have business. And so some of their systems haven't been looked at or touched for 50 years. Hmm. And so looking at how the state can help aid them, uh, the great thing about everything that came out of the monies that are going to the Amer- through the American Rescue Plan dollars is that they all have safety nets. These programs have to be vetted. We want to make sure they're going to make a big impact because this is one-time money. We're not creating any recurring dollars with what the governor is proposing it be used for. And we want to make sure that the plans that were given to us, if they look good on the front end uh, once they're vetted, but we see that they're not having the impact, they will be re-looked at and that money will be stopped. So we're really trying to make sure that all the state dollars we're getting, whether they're tax dollars, I mean, let's face it, every dollar the government gets is a tax dollar. It's just where did you pay that tax to originally? Did you pay it to the federal government? Did you pay it to the state government? Mm -hmm. Um, But any way we got your money, we're making sure that it's being used wisely for sure. All right. Um, I don't want to run out of time for our questions on the PCRXcomputers.com text line. So we're going to have Glenn give you those questions first before I get to my next question. Okay, uh, great. You, you got quite a few of them here, Lieutenant Governor. As a retiree <laughs> and living in South Carolina, taxes are very important to me. Can you ask the Lieutenant Governor if there's going to be a reduction in gas taxes also to fight for the reaction in state income tax? I'm sorry, for the reduction in state income tax to take effect this year. Lastly, can South Carolina raise the limit on tax from withdrawals on pensions and IRAs? Um, so the, the, the tax cut that's being happened that's happening right now, we all know that the governor didn't want the tax cut. That's something that has been being talked about, you know, during our last election, right? Because mm-hmm. we have people for and against it. The governor was against the gas tax. He felt dollars could have been used uh, more wisely uh, that were already there, uh, but he was overridden by the General Assembly. So um, what he has done with the new powers that came to that tax cut law is he made sure that everybody that was on the infrastructure bank uh, actually understands that there is a priority and they have to keep the priority, and that priority is being uh, put in place by DOT and our engineers, right? So there yeah. were some trades. There were some things that happened there that really tightened the way our roads uh, take priority. Uh, I think it's being looked at in the General Assembly. I have heard it. They am talking about a comprehensive tax cut with, between property taxes and income tax. Right now, the bills that are going through, uh, the bills that have passed the House, uh, would take us from the 7% high bracket to 6. It would cut everything out in the middle, so there would only be two brackets, 3,000, or sorry, 3% and 6%. Um, that would be the end goal. That got passed out of the House. What out, uh, Sitting in the Senate right now, they're looking at taking it up to uh, the highest bracket, to 5.75, but not eliminating the other brackets. Uh, so we see movement. I believe there will be tax cuts this year. Unanimous votes came out of the House. Um, so both sides of the aisle saying that our veterans should have zero tax mm-hmm. dollars on their pension. And that is awesome. We don't want to stop there. We want to look at law enforcement, first responders, 
in that. They're going to do it in two separate bills just because you have to have a mechanism to monitor that, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you don't want to add judges and magistrates, people that that is you know, intended for. So that's the next phase that's being worked on. And local taxes on gas, if we eliminated them, once we got over this hump, it would be so hard to get them re-implemented, I think, to get back on with Ride 3 and things like that. Um, <clears throat> there is a, a couple of questions about the same thing. Um, the political article from 223, author was Ben Lennard. More GOP states are now wagering on vaccine passport technology, and South Carolina is one of them, despite bans or, or governors opposing them. The question is how, why, who in this uh, is gaining ground, and what is being done to stop it here permanently? Is it a good thing to have, you know, along with our, our Social Security credit score or, you know, an IDs, a passport, a digital vaccine passport? No, it's not. And the governor has said that that is something that he would not stand for here in South Carolina. He has never wavered on that. Good. I know there was some talk about technology that um, DHEC was looking at. Uh, some of our House representatives the General Assembly met with them, and that has been squashed from my understanding. Um, so, you know, the governor, the governor thinks that people's medical history is personal. It's something that they handle on their own and that doesn't need to be monitored by the state. So he stands very firmly on that. This governor is going to do everything within his powers to make sure that doesn't happen here in South Carolina. Yeah, and there's at least four people this morning that are asking the same thing. So it's obviously Mm -hmm. important to the community. Uh, Last question, uh, November elections, are they going to be protected from cheating? Well, that is a a great question. There is another uh, bill that had second reading yesterday in the House. We're hoping to see third reading today that addresses uh, and tightens up our absentee voting uh, and mail, you know, there, we never had mail and voting, but our absentee people sometimes get that, um, get that mixed up, right? Mail, mail and voting, uh, our absentee voting, you have to request that will continue to be tightened up and solidified through the house. Uh, great work happening in the house. They did another bill that got sent to the Senate. There was an election bill that they passed last year that went to the Senate. Senate made amendments. It came back to the House. The House tightened it up even tighter and sent it back to the Senate. Um, so if election reform is something that you are concerned about, reach out to your senators. Tell them how important it is to you. We need to get it up for final reading um, over there. But what that looked at was making it uniform between all 46 counties here in South Carolina. Right now, we did not have uniformity. It also stops third parties from dropping money into any uh, specific county. So we wouldn't see what was happening, what happened in Charleston with Zuckerbucks trying to be dropped in. That would no longer be allowed to happen. So they made a lot of headway on that bill. It's a very strong and solid bill. Uh, and hopefully we'll get it out of the Senate and get it signed by the governor. The governor's awaiting it for sure. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett is who we are speaking with. I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, you just touched upon the vaccination passport, that QR code that would uh, pull up all your vaccination records and private information being uh, looked at by some DHEC officials. But you said that pretty much uh, squashed that whole attempt. But I wanted to ask you about that because... We, I read an article um, and I shared it with everyone uh, yesterday that 
there is legislation out there to break up DHEC, reorganize certain departments and categorize them with more like-minded um, categories, you know, DNR and environmental and all that. Um, we went through all of that yesterday. But the question that, that I thought was um, really interesting is that those uh, two agencies now that would be kind of like the two major ones would be cabinet held positions uh, leading them as opposed to somebody who is, you know, gets a job to run it. Uh, what wh- um, that will change the position and the power of the governor if those uh, people and those agencies are under his guidance or, or a governor's guidance. Uh, has there been talk about that that you've heard of if those were to become cabinet positions? Well, I think I think we saw that and you and I talked about it at length when the pandemic happened and we were talking about the superintendent of education, right? Yeah. Um, and that went on the ballot to be a cabinet level position. What that does, is it makes the buck stop with the governor, right? Right now, uh, DHAC is, you know, that's a position that is, you know, recommendations come from the board. It gets confirmed through the Senate. This now puts power back into the governor's office where when people don't like, what's being done. You know, we hear about, you know, bureaucrats as opposed to our elected officials, and we elect people based on their beliefs. And then you have a bureaucrat who's brought in that, you know, the general public doesn't know. Um, they're hired in. And and where does it end, right? You're mm-hmm. hoping that you're going to vote for people that are like-minded, that think the way you think. I think this really gives more power back to the people, not even really the governor, because then the buck stops with him, right? You've elected him because of his views. The governor... Governor McMaster's views have been rock solid through this whole pandemic, but his powers are what they are. So being a cabinet level position um, does make it a little bit closer to the people and the way that people are voting um, when they put us into office. So I think that would be a good thing. That's S2. It's in the Senate right now. Uh, It's something that was started. We talked about that last year. Uh, DHEC is a very large operation. Uh, it deals with a lot of different things, a lot of different issues. Governor has says he feels that it will be best run if we could break it apart. Uh, that way you can look at the environmental side and the medical side differently, uh, and you would have different expertise uh, heading those two uh, split departments. So I think this is a good thing, um, and hopefully we can get it out of the Senate. Uh, with some good deliberation and over to the House to get voted on. All right. A lot of people might be concerned that the um, uh, the S-2 uh, bill, if it became law, it would dissolve the State Mental Health Commission, but it would actually be absorbed, right, into the DHEC, um, along with the Department of Alcohol and other drug abuse services. It won't go yes. away. It'll just be under another umbrella. Absolutely. You know, mental health is something that we've been talking about, this governor's been talking about. We know we have to have it addressed. COVID really showed us how important solid mental health is here in our state, right? We hear about it from our prison system, that so many people are redirected into the prison system. Um, Day Otis, when it comes to substance abuse, I mean, I can't tell, I can't sing the praises of Sarah Goldsby enough and what she's done. And what a ter- you know, a tremendous uh, job she has done during this really hard time. Because we have seen, because we have open borders, we've seen the overrun of fentanyl into our into our state, into every state. You know, 
the governor has said it before, every state is now a border state, right? Because mm-hmm. our borders are so wide open. And so she has had a, a really tough job that she has done great work through making sure that those uh, monies are spent wisely, that we have treatment programs that we're adding to the treatment program uh, because, you know, substance abuse rose sharply during the COVID pandemic. Yeah, we were reading that yesterday, um, talking about that and the fact that opioid deaths and drug overdoses and deaths overall have increased so greatly. Uh, it's it's really um, it's really sad uh, to see everyone suffering. But then we saw another report come out today that suicides have decreased. I, I mean, I really don't. Um, you know, there's so many different things that have to shake out with this pandemic, the after effects of the pandemic. And quite frankly, there's probably going to be a lot of people still impacted by it as as most of us move on from all these mandates and restrictions and things are starting to get back to normal. There's still a lot of residual anxiety out there and, uh, you know, economic hardship from the the fallout. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we see that over and over again. I think the the biggest thing is now we need to measure where are we after all this shook out. You know, we talked about it with our youth. We have to be able to be able to test our kids in school to figure out where they are. If you can't measure it, you can't fix it. We have to figure out where our problems are. The governor has been very vocal about that. We have to make sure that we um, meet our kids where they are and get them um, schooled up if they're lagging behind. I think masks have um, getting that out of schools. Mm-hmm. I know DHEC, there's been some regulation change. There's now not a mandate um, making kids wear masks on school buses. Um, so, you know, it's moving in the right direction. And, you know, we've been doing this here and fighting this forever. A lot of those mandates are coming out of D.C., but it's an election year, Liz. So we saw it, you know, if you watch that uh, incredible circus show called the state of the union the other <laughs> night uh i mean lord help us mm-hmm. uh, you saw not a mask in sight right, right. we're going into an election year and, and now they're listening to people uh republicans have been listening to the people all along democrats are figuring out that they have maybe pushed this too far but i think we do have to be vigilant we have to um, make sure that you know these horrible overreaches that happen uh, will never happen again I hope people are feeling it now and we get everybody out to the polls in 22 because we have to vote, a lot, not just in our state. We, we're doing our job here in South Carolina, uh, voting Republican up and down the ballot. But we need to be doing that across our country. And I hope people are seeing the horrible, you know, the horrible uh, collateral damage of weak leadership. We're seeing it in the Ukraine right now. It breaks my heart. It's affecting all of those countries. You know, my uh, my grandparents were from Poland. You see all these refugees flooding into Poland. Poland and Romania are taking them in, women and children. It's just, it's a sad state of affair. And I truly believe in my heart that if we had a strong leader, we would not be seeing yeah. what we're seeing today. Amen to that. Uh, we agree. Uh, one more question, and this is really re- very important. Uh, Ori County schools are expanding modular cla- classrooms uh, to accommodate hundreds of new students. They're already using 88 modular classrooms. And uh, then I saw this other report showing that South Carolina has more teacher vacancies now than than at the start of the school year. Um, there there have been uh, some 
raises proposed for teachers. You were talking about law enforcement, um, but they're looking to raise the salary for teachers to attract more teachers. But uh, teachers are complaining that uh, the reason why uh, other teachers are leaving the vocation is because of the fact that uh, they never have a break. They don't have time to call parents and do their grading. And they're so short staffed, they don't even have time to use the restroom. Um, have you um, had a chance to talk to any of the co-sponsors on these bills that are in the House or Senate or where the governor stands in his support for teachers? Well, the governor definitely has said over and over again that he wants to see teacher pay raises, right? We have amazing colleges and universities that I talk about all the time, and they're turning out amazing talent. we got to keep them here in South Carolina, and to do that, we have to make their starting salary attractive. But we collectively, as communities, need to stand behind our teachers also, right? Money is one thing, but as we're seeing in a lot of professions, money is not the only thing. I was just talking um, about that today. Yep. We, we need parents to stand behind teachers. We mm-hmm. need parents to get involved. You heard the governor say in his state of the state, we need more parent involvement in school and not less parent involvement in school. I mean, when uh, Jackson was little, uh, I can remember, uh, you know, going in and reading with kids, giving teachers a break. We had parents really involved in the classroom, which helped the teachers. Uh, parents want to be involved. They want to see what their kids are learning. They want to see how classrooms are interacting. They want to read with kids. We have a lot of parents and grandparents that if their arms were open, uh, the schools welcoming them in would come in and take some of this burden off of teachers. I think that's where the governor stands, right? We need more parent involvement in the schools. And I think that's where electing school boards uh, that have that mindset, making sure that they're putting in superintendents in these school districts that have that mindset. Um, you know, it used to be back in the day, teachers felt embraced by families. Mm-hmm. Um, they felt like parents wanted to be there. The grandparents would come in. So I think um, I think we're on the right track, Liz, uh, you know, making sure we get school boards in place um, that will do right by our teachers is the very first step for that, right? Because school boards elect our superintendents. They hire them. And the CRT uh, issue, uh, is that alive and well, or is it a limping uh, animal here in South Carolina? A lot of people don't know whether or not it's being taught in their schools or not. Well, uh, I can tell you it's being talked about in the General Assembly. I went into subcommittee um, this week because I wanted to, you know, they're hearing arguments on both sides, and I was hoping to hear somebody argue favor of that so I could try to figure out where they were coming from. Mm. I didn't. I heard nobody. Everybody was arguing against it. Parents were there in record numbers. That subcommittee stayed in session until 8 o'clock at night, is my understanding. Um, there are eight bills right now that they are looking to condense to make one great bill to mm-hmm. make sure that CRT, and they're talking about how um, to want to do it without making teachers feel like they're being, you know, um, Targeted, I guess, you know, yeah, blamed for something, right. you know, they, they it seems it's what what we've seen happen and what the media and social media has created is this division between school boards and teachers and parents that I don't think is actual reality across the board. But, you know, it's all automatically you, you people are feeling like they should be suspicious of their teachers now um, for their children. And I think it's a very bad message. And a, and there should be more of a what's going on in Loudoun County is not necessarily going on here. But 
you have to ask the questions and you can't, you don't want defensiveness. You just want honesty. And there's this second step. Um, and we heard about it. You were on the panel. Uh, I was moderating the panel. That was when I first heard about Second Step. Um, and I keep reading from the people who support Second Step, it's not CRT. And then parents are saying, it is CRT. And then, is it in some of the schools? Yes, it is. It's 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 a program. It's a curriculum in some of the schools. So I, I just want the truth, <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, so exactly. how I do think- we get the truth? That's the problem. Well, I think, first off, we need to empower teachers to not be afraid uh, to talk about it, right? Right. What I heard in the 45 minutes that I was in there listening to testimony, and I've heard, uh, I heard some of our legislators be approached by teachers telling them what's happening in classrooms. And when they ask them to come in to talk to committee, they're like, oh, no, I can't do that. I'll get fired. And so I think, first off, what we have to do is we have to make a safe space where teachers can talk about it. Let them police the curriculum that's being handed to them that they don't agree with. You're right. I don't think we should judge every teacher by a few rogue teachers that are out there. Uh, We shouldn't judge every school district because we have some school districts who are, you know, going rogue and bringing these curriculums in. Mm -hmm. But I think we have to make a spot where let teachers um, feel safe coming out when stuff is coming down. I think we feel better about what's happening in the classroom. So I think that's being talked about a lot is how do we protect teachers? who stand up and say, I'm not teaching this. This isn't right. Uh, I think if we, if we can find that balance, we could wipe it out. Because I don't believe that it's the majority of teachers that think teaching CRT or any variation of it is good for our children. All right. Well, that was a jam-packed session with Lieutenant Governor <laughs> Pamela Evett. And we went overtime, and I don't want to make you late for the press conference because our law enforcement needs their wages raised. Um, of course, we support our law enforcement greatly here. So um, we want to see them stay and be uh, paid what they're, what they're, you know, what they're worth and what they deserve. So thank you so much, Lieutenant Governor, and we'll talk to you uh, next week. Now, I just wanted to ask you a question. Are you going to be in town on St. Patrick's Day by chance on Thursday, the 17th? I don't think I will be. Okay. I don't think I'll be there on the 17th. All right, because we're going to be broadcasting live on location. If we can phone you in, we will. We'll work on that. Um, so hopefully we can uh, phone you in, but it may be that we can't. So I'm just uh, uh, giving you a heads up, but I'll let you know for sure. All right, that sounds perfect. Thanks, Liz. Y'all have a great week. All right, talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Hold on, deplorables. The Liz Calloway Show with Nick Summers will be right back on Talk 94.5. Boy, are we on overtime here. Burger Fi is on Saybrook Parkway, and they are not on overtime. They are right on time with the most delicious burgers in Myrtle Beach. Why are they so delicious? Well, they don't have any of those steroids or hormones or antibiotics or any of that stuff. They're absolutely delicious burgers that are never frozen and uh, their chicken is the same way Um, the the best ranches and farms they get their meat from and that's what makes it so different if you're looking for something spicy you can get the spicy chicken sandwich or even the swag burger which is a spicy wagyu beef brisket blend burger so delicious oh my gosh also you can cool things down with a frozen custard for dessert shakes and cones and cups and concretes and so much more Download the app to save money at